Hey everybody, welcome to The Survival Show podcast and video stream on YouTube and Facebook with Craig and me, David, where it's our job to take you step-by-step through the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear you need to survive the crazy world that we find ourselves in today and almost any crisis, emergency, or disaster and show you how to use the lessons you learned today to thrive in your life tomorrow. How are you, sir? I had to talk to you for a while. Man, it's been a long time. It's been, it has been almost exactly three weeks, and the world's on fire, dude. I don't know if you noticed. It has. It's been kind of crazy. So I'm glad to be back with you to chat about some things. Been a just personal issue which I'm dealing with right now as we record this podcast. Um, here in Kentucky, having air conditioning is a really good thing, and we have not had air conditioning for a month and a half. So. If you hear my dog really? in the background barking on occasion, it's because he's barking at the guy that is working on our air conditioning system. So <laughs> I beg your beg your forgiveness for that, but I am not going to halt her from doing that because that means he is working on the air conditioner. <laughs> right, right. And you do not want to dissuade your primary means of uh, alert system and security to not do its job. <laughs> that is exactly true, my friend. That is exactly true. Uh, we actually trained her to bark at certain times and not at others, and so she is a fantastic dog, and she's 13 years old, so yeah, she's old. So I don't, I don't, I don't mess around, and I don't argue with her anymore. Kind of <laughs> let her do her thing at this point. <laughs> so guys and gals, our mission here is to help you progressively increase your survival IQ so you leave out of here better prepared at the end of the show than you were at the beginning, and man... With the past three weeks, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, dude. We a really lot do. Of stuff. You know what? And it's just really good to hear your voice. You are upbeat and chipper, and I've been working on these notes all day, and I think I kind of got depressed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's a lot of mess that's going on. So hopefully, hopefully uh, we'll be able to help some people process through some of the crazy things that have been going on in our country and our cities and all of that. I know you have some firsthand experience with all that. I mean, we were already on the edge due to the Chinese uh, Communist Party, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it. And added to that, the uh, very sad killing of George Floyd. We'll be talking about that. Then we had peaceful, peaceful protests hijacked and turned into riots. Now it seems like this is all being hijacked again against all logic by those who seem to want to defund and or abolish the police seriously right after we just saw major cities burn because the police were restrained from taking action in a lot of cases from evil thugs and thieves that rioted and took advantage of the situation now now i i am just ah i can't wait to hear what you say about all this or even maybe what you can't say because i know you've been working directly uh I think with some security with regards to all this stuff that's been going down. But now the mob seems to be demanding that we all agree that the United States is systemically rotten to the core and they want us to bow our knee to their way of thinking and uh, just... Hey man, what you do decided to uh, try to push all my buttons in one podcast today? 
no, dude, this is this is the reality that we're living in today. And I'm glad you're still smiling about this because I'm getting depressed just just going through what we're going to talk about. I mean, this is just crazy. Who would have figured six months ago that we would have totally shut down our country, told people they can't go to church, restrict our freedoms, and then have all of this mess? I mean, this is never... I remember being a child and seeing some of this stuff happen. I'm pretty old, just to let you know. I just dated myself. Seeing some of this stuff happen in the uh, late 60s and early 70s. So this is like, this is extraordinary times we live in. We won't, we will not be talking about survival theory today, Craig. This is the reality we live in. So we've got people that now want to deconstruct our, our country and start all over. So I am just, I am just really curious what you have to say about this. I, I just believe this is a very dangerous precipice that we're on as a country and even as a Western Western culture and, and cultures of the world, because in a lot of ways, the United States is, is it's the place that everybody else comes because this is a great country. It's like we're the last bastion of, of uh, some sort of sanity uh, in a lot of what's going on in the world. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be big, man. I mean, it's, it is big and it, it is it's something big, yeah. we need to. Yeah, we need to address as best we can. All right. Well, you keep smiling on the other end. And uh, yeah, so if you have any comments on that before uh, we get into our sponsor for today, and then we'll get right into all this great content that we have today. Uh, I don't have anything that I don't think we'll probably get into because my understanding is today we're just going to have a more of a casual conversation about all these things, and I think I'll cover all those. Uh, Only thing I, I should probably preface anything and everything that I say that what I because some of the topics it sounds like that we're going to get into because usually for those listening we typically have a a really good set of notes so we stay on task and we don't have in-depth notes today because we've got so much to talk about there's no doubt that we're going to make sure we get stuff talked about um my opinions are my opinions and so I'll leave it at that as we get into them yeah I don't want to. I don't want to presume that David feels the same way I do everything, and and that is uh, one of the benefits of doing a co-hosting opportunity here is that you get to hear different viewpoints. So we'll agree on some things and we'll disagree on some things, but I don't want to pretend that I speak for David Survival Show Podcast and all that stuff. So, and I'll do my best to be uh, professional as I can. Yeah, and yes, now for our, our regular audience. You all already know that we rarely dig into conspiracy theories or controversies over culture, religion, politics, and we try to stay focused on helping our listeners prepared f- for any number of survival circumstances. But honestly, Craig, over the last, uh, you know, almost two years of the podcast, we've really talked about a lot of survival theory, right? But we're now experiencing the convergence of all this preparation, all the things that we've learned. Uh, survival theory and world events that are really trending in a in kind of a bad a bad direction for us who love in the United States or freedom and uh, the the equal application of law, freedom, and peace in our country. So, brother, you ready to get into all this content? Let's do it, man. Let's go for this.
Everyone, here's the thing. Dave and I really, again, hadn't had much of a chance to talk. He's been incredibly busy with work and stuff at home, and I've been busy with work and stuff at home. And so we put together some, just some general ideas, because since we haven't talked in three weeks, we figured we could just gab like we usually do and kick some things back and forth. So um, it's basically just going to be a conversation where you get to hang out with us. As always, today, because you're listening to the recording or watching it on YouTube, you're not actively involved in the live conversation. But please, by all means, where you're seeing this, where you're hearing this, throw in some comments, throw in some uh, questions, and when and where we can, we'll answer those as best we can because we want to we want to keep you as informed as possible. Now, on a normal basis, Craig and I will will converse back and forth, maybe maybe once a week, definitely every every couple of weeks, and we usually we usually do almost a whole podcast of uh, just talking back and forth worth before we do a podcast, and we actually haven't done that. We haven't talked about. I know a little bit about what Craig's been doing over the last couple of weeks. I I believe Craig, you've been doing some sort of uh, guard security duty. I know that you've been. Uh, that's about all I know, really. So, whatever you can tell us about that, about why, what you've been doing, and what you've what you've learned, I I'm I'm all ears, dude. I I, I would love to hear about what you've been doing and how it's related to uh, current events. Uh, since I talked to you last, there's been three big things that have been going on for the Nature Reliance School, Craig Cottle, and all that I do. Um, Video-wise, we created a whole new course for Outdoor Core at OutdoorCore.com called Vital Survival. Oh, uh, okay. It's probably the biggest course I've ever put together. Uh, we put it together at the request of several school systems and libraries here in the state, and we also have pushed it out to them as well as we're going to make it available to uh, everybody on outdoor core. So we have been, oh my gosh, you know what it's like 13 videos in three weeks, all of them 20 minutes long. So, or more, uh, I wrote a book in that time frame. uh, not as big as my other books, but I did write a whole book in that time. You frame wrote a book? And I didn't know that. Did it, I know that? I don't know if mm, I knew this. I don't know. I think what was the, what's the book, know. man. It goes along with a course. Okay. Uh, I have a written book that goes along with it. It's going to be a downloadable copy. Uh, we're also going to be selling it on Amazon too, but that's down the road. Um, and then I have been working some security and what and who I was working for. I can't really say what I was doing, but uh, it was minimal. It wasn't a whole lot. I've had some really good close friends of mine that are also neck deep and have been neck deep into that world for nearly the whole time. And so... Uh, I've got a lot of insight because I get situation reports from the state on some things. I get some feedback from people that are literally in the middle of these riots. When I say literally, I mean literally in the middle of the riots. And so uh, I can share some of that information as we move along in our conversation today, I, I believe. So, yeah, it's been an incredibly sleep-deprived three weeks since I last chatted with you. Not to mention we don't have any air conditioning, so... transmission went out on my wife transmission went out on my wife's truck and you know it's just one been one of those months you know but (laughs) things are going pretty good you know some people have it a lot worse than i do that's for daggone sure Mm -hmm. yep so you want to talk a little bit about the just the i i'm really curious to hear what, what you have to say i watched the video this video of uh, 
the policeman kneeling on George Floyd's neck. I'm just going to open that up and ask what you think of it. Um, tactically, all the training that I have, which is which is not much compared to what you've had, uh, anything that I've seen, any logic that I can use in my mind, I cannot understand why that would have been done. So it leads me to some interesting and maybe weird conclusions. But I would like to hear as a preface what what your take on that whole original scenario was and is. Um, so the first thing that comes to mind when you say all that is number one, I don't know what is in the mind of that officer. So anything that I might say on why he did what he did is totally a guess on my part because we don't know yet. And we won't know until he gets an opportunity to speak for himself. And when that time comes, I'm actually looking forward to see what comes out of that. From a tactical perspective, I have literally been in the business, literally, not figuratively, I have been in the business of teaching people martial arts, tactics, defensive tactics, uh, combatives at times. And if you don't know the difference in that, then it's it's defensive tactics is typically what law enforcement refer to what it is that they do. Combatives are the things that military people call what they do. Defensive tactics is not what I saw in that particular video. And as it specifically relates to that restraint, because I'm a grappler and have advanced black belt degrees in, in grappling in two different grappling arts and, and I'm a beginner in BJJ. Um, I can tell you with certainty over the last, about 15 years ago, there were a couple of young ladies that were killed due to a very similar restraint. Okay. And when those two, two young ladies were killed, defensive tactics changed forever. And there were some things that you should do, some things you should never do. There's some timing. There's some ways that you check and make sure that you, the person that you're arresting is, is doing okay. And the things that I know that people started doing across the country 15 years ago, I saw none of that with that officer in that particular position. And so that in and of itself is very alarming to me. Um, and again, I don't want to get into his mindset too much because uh, that would just be totally guessing. But some of his body language, particularly where he had his hands in his pocket and his facial expressions as if as if uh, it wasn't a big deal to him, indicate that he's mentally unstable to the point of he did not see that what he was doing was causing harm at all. And that is, that's problematic because my understanding, and I quite frankly, nearly 95% of the work that I've done in that arena has been here in Kentucky. And I don't know exactly what is Kentucky statute versus federal statute. And and I'm not an expert on that, so I can't speak to it. I never had the intention of teaching outside of the, the state of Kentucky, so I never looked at it. But the point I'm trying to make is that, is that, uh, he, he should have not had his knee on that portion of that person's body, Mr. Floyd's body for that period of time without doing some things. And specifically as it relates here in Kentucky, my understanding, and again, I'm not an expert, but I have some experience in this field is that once they arrest him, particularly when they put handcuffs on him, they are then responsible for him. 
you know, one of my good law enforcement friends told me a long time ago, if I arrest somebody and I put them in the back of my car and then I wreck on the way there, then I'm responsible as a law enforcement officer or our agency is responsible from that point forward for their health and anything that they experienced in that wreck. And so that means the taxpayers are responsible for it. So in this particular case, in a world where law enforcement officers are very liability conscious, most of the time, most of your law enforcement officers are very liability conscious. They're paying attention to what's going around. This person, this officer did not seem to have a, a concern for liability. He didn't have a concern for any of the tactics. He obviously did not have a concern for that gentleman's life. And uh, I shouldn't have said gentleman, that person's life. Um, he, he didn't deserve what he got, but he shouldn't have been doing things illegally either. Um, so there was a, that cop didn't just grab a stranger off the street is my point. But whether he was a stranger, whether he was passing a counterfeit $20 bill or whatever, he did not deserve to be um, put in that position and held in the way that he was held. Yeah, it just didn't make any sense to me, having had to uh, restrain people in a professional manner in the past and and studying it a little bit. Uh, I I just seemed odd to me. Seemed odd with all the handcuffs there that he couldn't be cuffed in such a way that that restraint uh, would have <laughs> was totally unnecessary, regardless. Yeah, I I mean, there's a there's a couple guys that I train with now. I grapple with. They're both law enforcement officers, real young guys, really fantastic grapplers. Uh, They're also uh, defensive tactics instructors. BJJ. I think both of them are black belts now. I don't really know, but I think so. Um, They they do a very and and check them out, guys. If you're a law enforcement officer and you're listening, check out Blue Jitsu. It's a couple of really good Kentucky boys that really know their skills that are sharing restraints and stuff from a BJJ perspective and how to apply it. And and the whole goal there for them is to show some restraints in such a way that it doesn't cause injury to people. And the thing that unless, unless you're engaged in this, this realm, this, this industry, you, you should understand that law enforcement officers have standard operating procedures on how they deal with stuff like that. It's not completely and totally up to them and, and their mindset and what it is they want to do willy nilly at the time. There's some very dedicated standard uh, people, ca- uh, training directors, training captains that go through and write standard operating procedures, train their officers on how to do it. They retrain, they research and do all these things. And, you know, in this particular case, quite frankly, I think that is where the failure occurred. Either one, in my mind, one of two things occurred in that particular situation that allowed that officer to do what he did and the way that he did it. Number one, he's just evil. And I'm open to him just being evil and he doesn't care about human life. And he's been on, he, whatever's happened in his mind, he's putting him in a position where he doesn't care anymore at all. Or number two, he was very, very poorly trained. And so they'll be looking hard at the training procedures of that particular agency now. They'll be looking for the standard operating procedure on what you do when somebody's face down because I guarantee you somewhere in that SOP 
it says how long that can be that person can be face down on the ground like that handcuffed. It's literally going to be in the the SOP. And so that is where the police agency, if they do not support their officer in this particular case, can do that because they have trained him. Now, it'll be on him and his legal team to prove that he was adequately trained. I'm not an attorney, but I'm trying to get I'm somewhat getting into the legalese of it. But he'll have to prove that he was adequately trained. I'm sure he'll take the uh, take the road of saying that they did not properly prepare him for such a situation. And the agency will have to show, well, we have these SOPs and here's your signature and here's how many times you signed in for training and all those sorts of things. That's, you know, when one of the things that's aggravating about training law enforcement and military is the paperwork, the signatures, the things that they sign, the things that they prove, the certificates that I have to pass out to different agencies that are first responders. All that is very important because that proves to someone somewhere down the road that they had specific training. And that, again, is why I've said a million times, and we'll say it again here, as a professional survival instructor, I take my role incredibly serious because people's lives, number one, are hanging in the balance possibly, and number two, I've got to do it right so people don't come back and sue me. I mean, so it's it's up to me to make sure that the things that I say and the things that I do are done in such a way that they actually work. And that's why, you know, it's best to listen to somebody and train with somebody that knows how to research. It's constantly looking at trends and seeing what we can do to change and get better. That's for sure. Since you're on kind of like the legal end of, of all of this, I've heard, I, I am not familiar with this particular point that there are certain immunities that, police forces, police officers have while they're in the line of duty. Do you know anything about that? Yes. And I know that that does change from state to state and I have no idea what it's like. There's certain ones that are federally allowed, but there's more specific to their agency. They might add some things in, but particularly that's what's going to change and and be different than what I know here in Kentucky versus Minnesota. And so I, I definitely cannot speak to that. Um, with any with any authority or even an opinion, really. Gotcha. So the peaceful pro- protests that came and the vigils and things that came after after that event uh, was released to the public. I still have not found anybody that thought that what they saw in that video, what happened to Mister Floyd, was right in any way. I can't find anybody that 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 does not agree that that was wrong. Uh, so we have had protests. Should, yeah, go let ahead. Let me add something in there. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's worthy of consideration, and I tried to say this earlier, and I'll, and I'll just be focused on it again here. Okay, A yeah. lot of people, when these, things, when these things occur, and this is the problem in this situation, again, the people in my world, the people that are law enforcement, military, that are looking at these things and trained people in this world, we, we went to an acceptable standard of don't speak publicly or online about this subject until at least three days out from it. And that is, that is proving to be pretty valuable because you never know what might come up later, right? The details that we're getting right off the bat are, are oftentimes very, very wrong. And, and uh, we can go into a particular case that I ran into this last week doing some work that, that indicated that. But but the, the, the point being is that I really want to know 
what that guy was thinking. And that will only come out in court. That's the only, that's the first time that's going to come out. And so I'm going to, I don't see anything, any way out of it right now for him other than he was trained wrong. If he was trained wrong and somewhere down the line, they said there is some SOP states, it doesn't matter how long you stay with a knee on the neck, then that agency is going to be sued, not that officer. And right now, think about it. Let's say that he was trained wrong. Let's say he goes to court and he gets off because it wasn't his fault and he was trained wrong. Then it's going to be a lot worse than anything that we've ever seen in the last couple of weeks. Because if he gets off without going to prison, people are going to lose their minds. And I think it's worthy of consideration to think, why did he do that? Was he just a murderer? Did he just kill that guy in front of everybody? Or was he doing what he was trained to do? Or was he not giving adequate training to make decisions in that situation? That's, that's really key here. Very, uh-huh. very key. Does that make that sense a, what I'm saying? That David? does make a lot of sense. It really does. And it, it, if we have time, I'd love to get to some critical thinking. And you are, you are actually uh, drawing from some of the best ways to critical think, critically think through things before you come to uh, definite conclusions. And uh, so I think that's helpful. I think those are helpful okay, considerations. Good. Yeah. And I, I, think it's a, I think it's a notable point. I remember when we were going through the coronavirus and it, this whole lockdown thing and and masks and everything that you know we're still we're still not out of the woods yet we're still walking through that in various areas and various restrictions in certain cities that we had discussed that as bad as it had gotten it's nowhere close to what disaster or civil unrest or or as it could be not even we weren't even considering something like this we were considering you know what if the supply chain is is down or what if you know we're cyber attacked or what if the grid goes down for some other reason and all of those sorts of things um well here's here's the uh second or third order of things if if you will is that and and this is definitely and again this is a conversation so we're kind of uh I'm, I'm bouncing around a little bit but it, right now in seattle antifa has taken over six city blocks now, that is, in my mind, that is a game changer. And what I mean by that is that when any entity, you know, I've had people lecture, lecturing me on social media this week that Antifa is not organized. Uh, there, It's just an ideology. And anybody that thinks that is wrong. And I, and I will do everything I can not to insult them. But they're just wrong. Okay. They are very well organized. Now, some of these idiots that we see on the on social media doing some of the stuff that we're seeing them do, then they're not very well organized. But Antifa as an organization has hierarchy. It has people in control. It has people that are dictating what others should do. It has funding. And right now, that organization, which you can nearly think of it as a gang, you can think of it as a terrorist cell. Uh, whatever it is that you want to look at it has taken over six city blocks in an American city. And the only solution to that for them, what they're going to do is they're going to take over territory. This is how guerrilla warfare is, is affected. The next step is for them to expand their control. And the way they expand their control is they 
they steal from others or they create it and they're not going to be able to create it in the middle of Seattle. So they're going to steal from others and then they're going to continue to steal and expand. And when they start to expand, then they get a lot more resources. They might go over here and take this particular food plant or take over that warehouse that's completely full of food. That's part of their territory now, whatever. When the National Guard gets called in on that, they're going to destroy them by logistically or logistically first, hopefully to run them dry so they don't have supplies. And then if that doesn't work, they're going to kill them. And that's, that is where we are here in America right now is that, is that law enforcement does not have the manpower to stop an organization like that because they outnumber them if they're organized, key point organized. And that's not what law enforcement is tasked to do on that, that scale of things. And so the answer to that is some military unit that is incredibly skilled to handle that. And if they do, then it's just, we, we have to stop these things now in our home states and our big cities, wherever they are in our little hometowns, wherever we might live, we've got to do everything we can to stop them from getting to that point because then, then we have erupted in some sort of, of uh, civil war for lack of a better way of saying it. So let's just skip ahead a little bit. What, what can people do? What should people prepare for? That's, that's skipping way ahead to the end, but yeah. you know, we're, we're there and we're just having a conversation. Well, I think the big thing is that is we have to, we have to try to understand the other side as best we can. If we can figure out how to understand the other side, if that's what you, I mean, I don't know what else to call it, but that seems the way we're, it, it's stupid to call us not divided because we are divided as a country. If I try to understand the other side and they try to understand me, then hopefully we can meet somewhere in the middle without violence. Whether that is giving in to get our way, like we give something up so that we can get our way and everything's better or, or, uh, these things will continue to mount up until it's, it's violent in nature. When it's violent in nature, from what I'm seeing right now, there's one side of this argument that is, has been calling for some violence against, the other side that is not violent currently, but has the capability of incredible violence. And what I mean by that, just to be very direct is that it seems like a lot of these, um, left leaning, uh, entities and even individuals, you know, to get a little bit into direct news, like Tom Arnold last night was on national television telling, left leaning people to grab their grandfather's or their father's deer hunting rifle and get ready for war kind of talk. And that in and of itself is so telling because if that is what's going to happen, then they are going to be destroyed. And I don't say that with glee. I say that with, it just, it hurts me. It hurts me to think because the people that are currently quiet the, perp- the people that are currently quiet professionals that have been in the military that are quiet about this stuff are capable of mass amounts of violence when provoked. They've just been so quiet about it, people just don't think about it. And if they're provoked to the point where they have to defend themselves, then it's just like I teach in self-defense. You, you, when, you, when you have to defend yourself, you defend yourself with surprise, speed, and violence. 
heaping amounts of violence so that you can get in and get out as fast as you possibly can and remove yourself from the confrontation. And that's what's going to happen. And nobody except psychopaths want that. That doesn't mean that people aren't preparing for it. So to get to your question, how do you prepare for that? Number one, we try to do everything we can to articulate our viewpoints, listen to others, develop listening skills, try to work things, things work these things out uh, through through interaction, mediation, government and government and uh, whatever local governments in particular. And I think we need to be prepared. You know, for us here, meaning me and my particular family, we live pretty close to Lexington, Kentucky, which is a larger metropolitan city for us here in Kentucky, not compared to New York or California, obviously. But there's just we just don't go there right now. We used to go there pretty regular. We're not going there right now unless it's necessary. And so, you know, that's that's one of them things that uh, I've been screaming the message for years now. The best way to win a fight is not being one the first place. But when it comes you're going to get, you're going to get it all. And so avoidance is the key. Avoid these things as best we can, but when we can't avoid them anymore, man, it's going to be ugly, Dave. It's going to be ugly. What do you want to talk Sorry, about next? No, that's good. It's all good. This is, that was actually really helpful. It's helpful for me. I'm sure it was helpful for our listeners and viewers. One thing that, that I think is worthy of discussion that is getting bypassed right now, because quite frankly, we're looking at threats and if we look at threats and try to assess how we should handle them as best we can, right now the rioters um, are posing a bigger threat than what we see with the pandemic. But the pandemic is getting lost in this. And part of the reason it's getting lost, and I think it's worthy of discussion, is that, you know, just a case in point here in our uh, Commonwealth of Kentucky, our governor has told people they couldn't go to funerals. They couldn't go to graduations. They can't go to church. When they first went back to church, they couldn't sing in church. But he's allowing these protests and these riots where people were congregated together in close proximity to one another, inside and outside. And forgive me, pardon my French, but that's asinine. That is, that's ridiculously, obviously, a government overreach because if it was actually something that was going to cause a pandemic, then that sh those truths should be held throughout this protest riot situation as well. And it's not. Now, again, the priorities are the protesting and the rioting and trying to handle that situation from a law enforcement perspective. But I think it's worthy of highlighting that they don't have the capability as a law enforcement entity to control several hundred thousand people in these big cities. They just don't have it. And they're doing what they can. And they're admirable people and they're good people and administration are doing the best with what they're given. But these government agencies and entities that are one minute saying this about the pandemic and then turn around and not doing anything about the men. I'm not talking about the writers. We all know that that's, that's illegal. Nothing's happening with them either, but I'm talking about even the protesters, you know, all these people said that you couldn't gather for a funeral a week and a half ago. It was that recent. And then we have a packed house for a George Floyd, Floyd Memorial. That does not make sense to me. And it doesn't make sense to anybody with common sense. So that, that uh, not knowing 
which way we're supposed to go is getting old and it's getting old quick because we elect these government officials to, to spend their day working for us, getting good information, putting the resources together so that when these things happen, they can do what we need them to do. And they've been so back and forth that they've actually caused more confusion than they have other things, in my opinion. And again, this is why I knew I'd be on this kind of, this discussion, this is, these are my opinions. These are not necessarily David's or, or as a survival show podcast as a whole. So if you have a problem with what I'm saying, then email me. Um, and I have no problem discussing them, discussing them with you. Yeah. There's not a whole lot being said in, in the news and the media about the, uh, I guess it's a, I would call it a contradictory stance that we can't go to church, but all of these other activities are okay. Something's not right there. No, they, they just absolutely don't, they don't go together at all. But here's where I'm giving them a little bit of leeway. This is a novel virus. And what that means is that it is something that's new and we don't know what it's going to be all about. I'm okay with the CDC, the who our government agencies in the state, local, whatever, getting things wrong early on and I'm okay with them still getting them wrong now because in my mind as as it relates to this virus in particular it's still very young and new the problem is is that you've got to be consistent and that consistency is what's lacking you can't tell my mom and dad that they can't go to church last week and then allow a memorial for a known drug addict that is, that is broadcast all over the country and hundreds and hundreds of people go to it and hold this person up as if they are somebody of vital importance to the world. Not that that person is not a valuable human. He is a valuable human in the world. But I don't think that if going to church is, is a problem a week ago, then we should not be going to church to hold him up. I just don't. It just, it's, it contradicts itself. I don't, I don't get it. His family should be mourning his loss. The country should be mourning his loss, but organizing together in a, in a group. I, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't fly with me. Yeah. And I just want to make sure everybody's hearing what you said. You just followed a logical, a logical chain. This is, that was not, it wasn't emotional. It wasn't, it wasn't biased in any way. It's just, if if my church with 50 people can't get together at you know 50% of the capacity of our church which is 100 people on sunday in fact we are my church is just over the border up in new york state and we are allowed to get together at 25% capacity so my pastor is doing everything he can to abide by the recommendations restrictions whatever you want to call them and so much so that, hey, if you can let us know if you're going to be there or not, so we can, you know, get, just know how many people we're going to have. Um, it just doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense. And it really doesn't make any sense, regardless of where you are on the issue. Um, that, that does not make sense. I mean, we destroyed, we destroyed our economy for, um because we didn't know about this virus and it appears to be being a lot more resilient than we imagined, 
However, I know you were affected economically. Millions and millions of people lost their jobs and all of that. And so, you know, even even on a scale, if you have to look at things logically on a scale, it, it doesn't make any sense. I'm not um, what I what, you know, we're, how do I say this? The current restrictions for me is I'm not supposed to have more than 12 people in a group, even in the outdoors. But it's okay. And those are federal guidelines. But it's okay for all these entities to gather together for protesting. That does not make any sense. That is a contradictory, that is a contradiction in terms right there. And I think, uh, but, and here's the point is that I think that the decision was made that if we try to stop them, they're going to riot harder. And so I understand why that decision was made, but get on camera and tell me that because right now there is no answer. There is no answer for why it's okay for protesters to be gathered together in groups of hundreds, but somebody like me can't have a class and little league baseball can't play and they can't play soccer. That is no, that is no, that is it doesn't make any sense. None. I mean, all we're really talking about here is equal application of the law. If we're going to, if we're going to have a law or a restriction or a, or an edict or a recommendation in, in one area that parallels another area, then it should be applied equally. I agree. 110%. Yeah. Let, let's talk a little bit about this whole move now. And I, I did mention it in the beginning that that it seems like we've got this cascading. And, and maybe this is something to be aware of when things start to go bad in a society, a culture, in a survival situation. We saw kind of a cascading effect that happened even as the, the coronavirus situation uh, picked up steam. It, it, there's like this cascading effect that's happening now where it almost seems like like one thing, it's a snowball. It's like one thing's taking over the other thing. And that's not our, the original thing isn't even our focus anymore. Um, it's, right. it, it's the bigger part of the snowball. It's the cascade that's happening. Uh, so we've had the protests and that was hijacked into uh, riots and thievery and opportunistic left-leaning folks or whatever you want to say. And then it was uh, largely um, hijacked then into now we're talking, I, I can't even believe I'm saying this in the United States. I'm, I'm just, just going to be honest with you that we're actually considering in some certain locations and cities, disbanding, defunding, or abolishing the police. I'm you want sure the biggest surprise of the conversation today? Go ahead. I tell I, my suggestion is to tell Minneapolis to go for it, send them all home. The only problem that I have with that is that a lot of really good men and women are going to lose their jobs, and anybody that I might know in Minnesota is going to get killed or going to lose everything they have. But as soon as Minneapolis. And they and don't get me wrong. They said that they're going to do this in a one year phase down, 
But when they stop having a police force as we know it now and try to pass that off to to show social programming, which is what several of these big cities have suggested they're going to try to do, then these cities are going to burn to the ground. And that is not an exaggeration. The, 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 there's going to be a vacuum of oversight in these big cities like this. And the people that are going to fill in that vacuum are gangs. And gangs do not care about your feelings. They do not care about your live life. They don't care about your livelihood. They do not care. And so they're going to set themselves up for success. They're going to succeed. And when that happens, the whole town is going to be burned to the ground. And my desire is that if that is allowed to happen, then the rest of the country will wake up. And here's the point that I've said about survival for years now on this podcast, in my books, in my classes. We right now are looking at the exception. We are not looking at the rule. The thing that happened with George Floyd, where he was murdered by some idiotic cop who, even if he was trained poorly, could not think for himself and realize, I mean, even if he did have poor training and that's the legal maneuvering he will utilize, he's still an idiot. That is the exception. That is not the rule. And right now we are being told that law enforcement officers abusing um, black men in particular is a rule, that it happens too frequently to be a coincidence or some variation of it. And the fact of the matter is that is not true. I've had some of my wonderful dear friends over the past week or two lecture, send me studies, and I'm sorry, but I'm a statistical nerd and I look at the statistics of it and the statistics do not support their position. It just, they just simply do not support their position. And there is no reason why we should remove the police from Minneapolis, Minnesota, because one idiot killed a man. If we had done that, then there's so many other things that we should have done. By every time somebody was murdered, do we change the whole country? Because people are murdered every day. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I can't even wrap my mind around it. But statistically, just look at it that way. I mean, if you look at it, is there racism, racism in this country? No doubt about it. There's racism against blacks. There's racism against whites. There's racism against Latinos. Uh, it is a thing. Is it more prominent in the black community? Statistics in some areas of the country say yes and others no. And, and we can't say that that happens everywhere in the country and the statistics support that. And we cannot change the fundamental fabric of who we are based upon an exception and anomaly to the data. We just can't. And we're sitting here allowing it to happen. And when that happens, and we defund Minneapolis because it looks like they've already voted for it and they are on a uh, fast train to, to no policeville, then what's going to happen is everybody's eyes are going to be open because this is what people like in my world call the thin blue line. That really thin blue line that keeps the fabric of America running is not going to be there. And when that is gone, you're going to see what it's like not to have law enforcement officers in your town. They're going to burn it to the ground. Government entities are going to be destroyed. 
government officials are going to be killed and murdered in large numbers. There's just, it ain't, it, it will not, it will not last for long. And maybe it'll be a wake up call. So go, I say, go for it. And all my friends and family that I love get out of there now. I would be, if I was a law enforcement officer, I would be getting out of there right now. If I had to go work at McDonald's, I would quit my job tomorrow and I would leave and work at McDonald's somewhere in another state and move. I would not stay there another minute. The crazy thing is that it, it was less than a week ago that we saw what happened. I mean, there were police officers there available, but they were restrained from responding in various different ways. We've, we've already seen what happens with the thin, thin blue line there. Shooting I mean, we, people with pepper spray all over the country. I mean, I would love to be in the, and, and if I was an investor and if you're an investor, listen to me, this is where you need to invest your money right now in companies that make pepper spray bullets because they are being utilized by the truckloads right now and it is not going to slow down so whoever's doing that out there they're getting ready to make a ton of money because one of the well i don't want to get into the tactics that i'm aware of but pepper spray not on the belt but pepper spray bullets which is basically like paintball that shoots pepper spray i'm just telling you it is it's being utilized effectively i, I wouldn't say that if i hadn't seen that on the news and it's so widespread but but um, that's that's coming to everybody. Everybody need to be ready for it. So we're sitting at about fifty minutes, Craig. Why don't we get into some critical thinking? Because I think I believe I believe that a lot of these problems you've referred to some principles of critical thinking, and critical thinking is. Simply the ability to think clearly and rationally, understanding the logical connection between ideas. Uh, I, I guess a, a good example would be, uh, you've referred to this in the past, how do you recognize fake news from uh, actual real news or truth from lies, right? right? So yep, yep. Uh, why don't you go ahead and add to that as far as critical thinking and its importance in, in today, which it is very important because if we just follow the crowd, we're not actually assessing. Uh, I'm just going to go back to the point you made earlier about we don't know what was in that officer's mind who had his neck on George Floyd. There are some things we just don't know and we will not know for some time yet until the investigations are done. And uh, it's important to have uh, as many pieces of any puzzle as we can to be able to make our own decisions and not follow the mob crowds, uh, whether it's uh, in any of the news outlets, whether it's on the right or on the left or in the center, or social media posts by an athlete that we admire. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that we need to recognize at the very least is that everyday thinking and critical thinking are two different things. And there's not anybody that can sit and critically think about everything that comes in front of them all day, every day, because you, you would, you would have headaches all day long. You'd probably get so stressed that you'd have heart, heart failure or a brain tumor or some variation of it. There'd be so many things that, 
that that sort of critical thinking 24 hours a day would physically at some point in time would physically manifest itself in your body to cause detrimental harm and you would die. Okay. But when, when we recognize that situations need critical thinking, there's some ways that we need to do it and be okay with getting into this idea that we're going to critically assess this and then we're going to back out so that we can relax and, 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 get on with life in general. Okay. So the first thing that I think we need to understand is how, how do you, how do I know what we already know? And so it takes a a considerable amount of understanding of our backgrounds. If we're talking to somebody, understand what their background is. This is why I, as an average ordinary, and I, and I'm totally admitting this and, and don't mind doing it. I, as an average ordinary white dude from central Kentucky that grew up farming does not understand what it's like to live into inner inner city Chicago, for example, or Minneapolis, you know, interesting story, kind of funny. Uh, I used to train in Chicago martial arts for several years and I was going up there once a month. And the first time I went up there, I stopped on the South side of South side of Chicago to get gas. Me being who I am, I got out and noticed that everybody that was there was black but I don't have a problem with black people. I just went to get my gas and you had to pay before you pump kind of thing. And everybody's staring at me and you know, I'm just a dumb country boy, I reckon. And I went in to pay and the, and the lady that was there, very kind lady said, you need to leave here and leave here now. And I, I, and I really did not understand because I don't understand inner city Chicago. And I was right in the middle of it. She said, they will kill you if you do not get back in your car and leave right now. Now, that was a long time ago. I don't know if it's still like that. But the point being, well, the point I'm trying to make is I don't understand that sort of existence. I live a totally different existence than that. So there are a lot of things that I cannot comprehend. That doesn't mean that I haven't experienced racism. But for somebody to assume because I'm white that I haven't experienced racism is a problem. So we try to, we should try, particularly when we're communicating with others and and critically thinking through things with others or even on our own. Number one, how do you know what you know? Well, I know what I know because of my upbringing, my education, my experiences, right? And when we're looking at a situation and trying to get information from it, we've got to consider our sources. And this is where I got really aggravated on social media this week because I had people lecturing me on what they were seeing and they admittedly were getting their information from mainstream media. And I'm literally talking to people who are in the middle of the riots working literally not figuratively, not chatting people that are incredibly close to me that are friends, people that I've trained federal state, local level organizations, literally in the middle of the riots and telling me, Hey, I see black lives matter doing this. And this is how I saw it go down. And this is how I saw Antifa roll in. And this is what I saw them do. And then the mainstream media making it out to be something that it wasn't. And these entities, these people in particular saying, you don't understand. Well, my sources are better than your sources when it comes to that particular discussion. I asked them where they got their sources. Well, I watched it on this. I watched it on this news source. Well, I've got people that are literally in the middle of the crowd people that got hit, people that got in fights, people that got pepper sprayed. 
I'm, I'm, I know people that did that because they were in the middle of it for various reasons. My resources are better. And then we got to go into what resources have we overlooked. And so if I'm trying to consider the, the, uh, this position that a, um, a person that lives in, you know, Southeast Chicago for that matter, their understanding, I've got to try to find resources as best I can outside of my normal ones to try to understand the way they think, what kind of things they've lived through, what kind of turmoil they have, and try my best to understand the resources that I have overlooked. That's why I'm, you know, you mentioned it earlier. I'm not a fan of, I'm not a fan of watching the news at all anymore. I read the news and so I can apply these critical thinking skills when I'm reading and what I'm reading and put it in my own head. The, the, the news today that's, that's video is just entertainment and it's pushing a narrative. All of it is. Yes, Fox does it too. MSNBC, CNN, they all do. And, you know, just one case in point, I heard from numerous people that were on the street in Louisville, Kentucky, in the riots here that said everybody hated CNN. Everybody. Antifa hated them. Black Lives Matter hated them. Law enforcement hated them. They all had problems with CNN. Now, you don't see that making it to the news, but I have people that watch things happen with their own eyes as it relates to CNN rolling in and how they were received by everybody. And it's, you know, who do you listen to? First person sourcing when you can, as best you can. And uh, I will share one more thing and then we'll get on some more questions if you have them is there, there was an individual that was in the middle of the, the, um, the riots and protesting who was asked by a newscaster, do you see anything that we need to, to, uh, put on camera? And he said, yeah, there's a, there's a white cop over there hugging, uh, one of the black lives matter individuals. No, we don't want to put that on TV. That was the response he got from the reporter. And so that, I mean, that's telling you all that's absolutely telling. And, um, yeah, so we've got to look at the things we've overlooked. We've got to know what sources we've used to get to our own conclusions. And we've got to know what we, how we already know what we know. Those are the three things that I think are the, the fundamental questions that we need to be asking ourselves to understand a situation, a person or a, or a problem. Yeah, that's really good. Who said it? What did they say? Where did they say it? How reliable is the yes. source? What are their motives? Yes. Those sorts of things. When yes, did they say it? Absolutely. Why did they say it? Yep. Preach, preach it, son. Preach it. You're right on. And how did they say absolutely. it, right? I, yeah. One thing that I'm going to key in on what you just said, you're reading the news, not watching it. You're not hearing it's the voice inflection. Man. Yeah. You're not seeing Dude, the, <laughs> the antics and all that. Yeah. No. I mean, here, here's what's kind of funny for me and my family. Me and my wife now, my kids are grown and gone, but... But, um, if we go out to a restaurant to eat, that is one of these restaurants that has a lot of TVs, we get, we can't kind of keyed in on it watching TV. And the reason we're watching it is not like most people are watching it. It's like, I didn't know that they did that now because <laughs> we don't watch TV like that. And like my, my wife, she went to work out and she worked out in a place that has like 20 monitors up in front of the treadmills this past week and she came back, she said, I couldn't stand it anymore. I, I mean, she listens to music when she works out, but she was trying to catch the news and just trying her best to watch some news while she was on the treadmill. Uh, and she was like, I couldn't stand it any longer. 
it was one of those things where she just, it's, it's, you know, if you don't watch the news, you don't really know how much entertainment and excuse me, splash is being put into it to, uh, to get viewers rather than actually just offering the news. I got a couple of summary points here that yeah. uh, as far as critical thinking, uh, critical thinking should be aimed at achieving the best possible outcomes in any situation. And I think it's really important for us to, to not critical think just for ourselves, but look at the, the possible, possible ramifications of our own decisions, what we say on social media, just a tip. Just if your life is so affected by social media and who tweets what and who posts on your Facebook page, give it a break for a while. Just take a break and uh, let yourself settle in and have some peace. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Critical thinking requires a clear, often uncomfortable assessment of your personal strengths, weaknesses and preferences and biases. I think it's really important to, I, I think you, you mentioned that um, in the context of, you know what it's like to be a Kentucky farm boy, but you don't know what it is to, you know, live in different situations, be brought up different ways. I think it's just important to, to ask the questions, to look at people. One thing that's really important here when we're having discussions and something that's vastly missing in our major modes of communication today is we don't sit across the table and look people in the eye. Sit down and have a conversation with somebody who has a different point of view. You may agree to disagree with them on many, if not all of the points, but you're probably going to come to some sort of revelation, both of you, as to some points where you can agree on and if you do this in a way they're willing to listen, you're willing to listen, then you're both going to leave out of their better, better human beings. Right. I agree. You know, I've had some, uh, I've posted some things to try to cause people to think about some different subjects in the last week. Cause that's, you know, the best way for evil to overcome is for good men to stand by and do nothing. That was a quote attributed to Edmund Burke, but it was actually said by somebody before him, but nevertheless, just trying to cause people to think. And then I've had some good friends that are completely polar opposites of my political leanings and uh, lifestyle, if you will, that have engaged me in private conversation. And it was really good to sit down and chat with them. I've also had people that try to utilize the fact that I've got several thousand followers on social media to put forth their crap and they're using my platform to do it. I have no interest in doing that. If you want to have a private conversation with me, I'll sit down with you and chat. I'm all ears. I'll listen, but you got to listen to me too. And it's, we've lost that ability, man. You know, there were, there was a gentleman that contacted me last night that 100% disagreed with my statement on social media and he wanted to chat about it. And I kind of changed a little bit of the way I looked at it. He kind of changed his viewpoint a little bit on the way he looked at it. And we left the conversation friends. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to be doing. Yep. It's good. More stuff. of it. Two last points on yeah. critical thinking. 
uh, when we implement the decisions that that we make that arise from critical thinking, we should really take into account an assessment of the possible outcomes and the ways of avoiding potential negative outcomes. And that's that's in a lot of ways that's considering that's exactly what we're talking about. Um, trying to look at things critically. How is this going to affect my community, my family, the people closest to me, the people on social media? Do I really want to shut down 50% of the people that just hang out with me on Facebook because we went to high school together? Like, right. Is, is that post that important to damage those relationships possibly forever? And then lastly, critical thinking involves reviewing the results and application of our decisions and then making possible adjustments and changes as we need to, because critical thinking is just a starting point. When we don't understand something, when something (laughs) you make that post and you realize, Oh, I was not considering that point of view then it's time to have those conversations and make those adjustments and and really think through again uh, what that decision meant to other people. I'm not talking about not stand. I'm not saying be afraid to post things that are according to your core values, your convictions, and uh, a really suitable consideration of critical thinking through things. I'm not saying we should cower to to mobs or people. Uh, potentially even calling us names because they have not maybe critically thought through things or they're working off of an emotional basis, not a, a, uh, an objective basis of critical thinking. I'm just saying there's a lot of things to consider here and critical thinking gives us the ability and the skills to walk through and, and hopefully come up with better results, not only for ourselves, but for those around us and those that we engage with on any level. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board with that. Cool. And, and Craig, I did want to cover one other thing because I, I think we can get lost in the emotion of everything. We can look at, um, we can look at our own human nature, our own desires and abilities to, to change the system, to, to do different things just because we feel like, what we're doing now doesn't possibly work. Uh, we can be, our emotions can really be played in times where we're not critical, th- critically thinking or things are really charged up like they are in our country right now. And I just wanted to have a short discussion about core values and, and knowing where your foundation is. And I think this gets back to Craig, why do you believe the core things that that make you a human functioning and loving and caring and, and what are the most important things to you in and through this life that govern that and that govern and even are that foundation of your critical thinking. And to me, I just came down to core values because there's just certain principles that I live by. And when my critical thinking starts to stumble over my core values, then I go back within myself and I look at the, uh, the sources of where my core values come from and, uh, 
and the things that are challenging my core values, and I, I reevaluate. I rarely will change my core values. I will often change my critical thinking to uh, adhere to what my core values are. If that Does that make sense at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you want to talk a little bit about core values and what that means to you, and, and then we'll maybe even share some of our own? Yeah, I think the big thing to keep in mind for anybody and everybody is this concept. And somebody said it was some stupid country music song. Golly, I can't stand country music. But uh, <laughs> it was it was uh, it, the the quote is if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. And the first time I heard that, I was in ninth grade, and I heard it in a John Cougar Mellencamp song, and in drafting class, just a quick. I mean. That's how I can see the guys that were sitting with me. I can see the guy that had it on the radio right now. And for some reason that resounded with me because it gave me an insight into something outside of my life as a Christian, for example, that, hey, this dude in this song likes that too. And I thought that was pretty cool. And it is cool. It is true. If you do not stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And you've got to have something that you rely upon. For me, obviously, I mentioned it several times. For those that follow me, I'm a Christian. Um, I'm one of these people that that um, doesn't think that the typical picture of Jesus Christ as a meek, uh, willy-nilly, soft person are true at all. Uh, Jesus lived off the land. You talk about a survivalist, him and those dudes that run around with him. Those dudes lived off the land. They were eating stuff that people wouldn't eat any, uh, nearly anywhere in the world right now. And uh, laying down on the ground, didn't have a pillow, didn't even have a pack. Some of them might have had a little extra cloak on them that they used for a pillow, covered up with if they got cold. Critters out in the middle of nowhere, they could have eat them. Um, all these different things. I mean, this this is the guy that preached these messages. If you look at it from Jesus was a man, not God, and that is something for a religious discussion, which this is not a religious discussion. This is this is a guy that lived off the land and, and put all these thoughts out there about how to live your life, and I, I kind of jive with them. Not because I was raising them, because I've really questioned them at times and completely walked away from it at times, too, and came back because, quite frankly, I just jive with the message as a person, as a man, also as a follower, as a believer. I'm one of them, no doubt about it. But just as a man, this is the same guy that got pissed off and threw tables around and started whipping people, told his disciples to carry a sword. He didn't do that for nothing. He did it for a reason. What all those reasons are, I don't know. But I kind of like that. I want a man that's going to stand up and get angry at times. Virtuous angry at times. We need it. I'm I'm virtuously, in my opinion, angry right now with what's happening. That's why, in my opinion, let Minneapolis burn to the ground. If that's what they want, let them have it. But my core values, I don't I don't want that to happen. I've got to get in control of that anger and direct it and try to be intelligent, try to critically think it, try to influence the people that I have the opportunity to influence based upon again these core values, which are, you know, live by the golden rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's really good. You know, Craig, we are, we are, uh, over time. Yeah. 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 Well, no, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, good, up. 
no, we're good. We're good. Um, okay. That, that's, that's, that's really fantastic. Uh, my core values, Craig, come from the same, the same source as yours. This was not following Jesus. I, I, I am the same way. He, he's amazing. He's an amazing man. And uh, my core values in settling in on biblical principles and what Jesus said and what he did, did came after a very, very long time of, of searching out other solutions and having my foundational core on biblical principles and living them uh, by and through his grace and mercy as best as I can, repenting when I mess up extending forgiveness when I get angry, not walking in bitterness, uh, living, trying to do my best and ask for his help, that my life might display the fruit of the Spirit, which is in, uh, if anybody's following around along in their Bible, it's in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And we have all these laws we have uh, for good reason in our country, in our locality. It, it's, it's good to have law. But when the law of our hearts is based off of, is changed and based off of these sorts of things, this is a better way, dude. Like, we need peace. We need kindness. We need mercy. We need goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control right now. And uh, I don't know of any other source that can bring that, honestly, than uh, divine divine intervention into each individ, individual heart of the folks that are watching and listening right now. Because you know what? All of human history leads to a point uh, if we if things are taken into our own hands to a very destructive end, um, Jesus came to change all that and be part of the solution. So, my friend, my core values and your core values uh, are based on the same rock. Anything else to say or you want to take us out of here? Man, I'll take us out of here. That sounds good to you. All right, guys and gals, don't forget there's several ways that you can support the podcast. Look in the description below for different links and ways that you can support the podcast. There are ongoing ways that you can do that, and then there's things that pop up every now and then. The big one today, hey, check this out. So you may not know this, but the way David and I have been recording these is I can't see him right now either. I can talk to him, but I can't see him. So when he started talking about his knife earlier, I pulled up a website. Here's one of the things I want to encourage you to go check out because if, you, if you're listening and you didn't get to see what he was showing, there's actually a nice chart on the homepage for the MSK1 knife that shows the different models and all the different things that come with them, whether it has a primary edge, double edge, thickness, material, handle set, bolts, all that stuff is laid out in a nice chart. And my right brain really loves this chart, David, just so you know. So go check out the MSK-1 over at Ultimate Survival Tips. You can check it out at the MSK. What is it? MSK-1? No, it's just MSK, MSK-1 knife.com. Okay. You can type in the one just as a number, or you can type in O-N-E for the one, but MSK-1 knife. 
ultimatesurvivaltips.com. Or Ultimate Survival Tips. They all lead to the same place, essentially. Just look for the MSK1 cool. knife tab. Hey, and guess what? You can find what? on that website. Time, not, not you, dude. You know this. <laughs> Talking to our listeners again. Back off a second. So go over there and grab some tiny survival guides. Seriously, is there a better time not to have a tiny survival guide than now? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Go get some tiny survival guides. Give them to your friends. Give them to your neighbors. Neighbors. And that way you can help them with all this vital information that David and I put together in the Tiny Survival Guide, pocket-sized, for your pocket, for your glove box, for your range bag, wherever it is that you want to put them. Fantastic information there for you. I think that's it, you all. Please check out the description below for links. And thank you so much for listening. It's good to be back with you, David. Good to be here. And guess what, everybody? We'll hear you or see you next time on the Survival Show Podcast. Keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp. sharp.